It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth, presented by Core Water. Hey, welcome to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Uh, Mark Schlereth here alongside my uh, co-host, Mike Evans, producer Scott DeHuff. Normally, this uh, area of the show is sponsored, but um, sponsorship ran out, so this area is for sale right now. Go. Yeah, it's not working out real well for it. This a hey, this area of the show brought to you by uh, Mark Schler stinking good green. Oh, Mark Schler stinking good green chili. Ah, uh, it's delicious. And um and our new queso dip and mm-hmm. also a stinking good giving. So we've got a, a little uh you know a little five zero one three C and um, so anyhow there you go. Let's just say if you'd like to be part of this outstanding podcast yes. as we get into the meat of the football season. Oh. Golden opportunity. Golden opportunity. I've got a couple people. I've got a couple. I got fish on. Yeah. Fish on. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I spent a week up in Alaska. Oh my god! Oh my. I'm so jealous of you, dude. It was so gorgeous. I did happen to bring you some fish. <gasps> Don't but lie. I didn't, don't I, lie to me. I don't. No, I'm not lying. You better I, not I will be bring doing this you. for the case of the podcast. Right. And then when we get done, you'll be like, "Sorry, there's no fish." It no, I brought. I brought. Gotcha. Listen, gotcha. <laughs> I, I sent all the fish home with my daughters uh-huh. and my niece. So then I was like, oh, shoot, Mike wanted some fish. I did want some fish. And so they brought some fish up back up to a lot, to, to Anchorage, where my parents live. So my wife is from Girdwood, Alaska. So they brought some up uh, Saturday right before I left. And I, I have a freezer bag, so I packed it in my <sighs> freezer bra- bag. And um, I, I didn't bring any smoked fish, which I normally always have smoked fish, so I apologize okay, for that. It's okay. It's okay. What kind of fish but are we talking about here? We're talking about, I think we've got some fresh-caught red salmon oh. and some fresh-caught silver salmon. Oh. Scott, do you eat fish? Yes. Well, you can get it at Safeway. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dick. Fresh frozen. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. My pleasure. <laughs> Maybe some cod. <laughs> get you some cod. Seriously, you know, I mean, all, all, all kidding aside, man, I'll tell you, the pictures, you posted a bunch of pictures and everything, and I am, it is now, I I, I got to get to Alaska. Oh, my I, God. I, I mean, what you showed is just, I mean... <sighs> I mean, it's like it's like the last frontier. It's the last frontier of this country. The there's the drive that's always rated the top drive in America, and it's from Anchorage down the Cook Inlet to Girdwood, Alaska, and it is gorgeous. So you're right on the cliffs on one side of these rocks, and there's these mountain sheep or mountain goats or some kind of four-legged white animal. I don't know if they're sheep or goats, whatever they are. They have. I don't horns. really know how to tell the difference between a sheep and a goat. One has wool, and maybe the other has hair. I mean, I'm just guessing. I gather you weren't the real outdoorsy type. No, no, I don't. I don't really hunt or fish. <laughs> so I had somebody bait my hook for me when I went fishing, but I was slaying fish. <laughs> Anyhow, long story short, you drive down this, and you got the cliffs on one side. You might see some mountain goat sheep, um, you know, like a yeti or something on the side. On the other side, they're like beluga whales. Chasing the salmon. Seriously, As whales. They, oh, yeah. Beluga whales chasing the salmon. They got a, a pullout called Beluga Point. You pull out and just watch whales, right? And then we're literally driving down the road, and all of a sudden, maybe 15, 20 feet above our heads, a bald eagle, wingspan about eight feet, just flies over the car, right? Oh. The opposite direction. It's <laughs> unbelievable. So then we're playing hoops in my yard, my childhood yard. There's, there's a moose that runs through. Then one morning, a bear runs through the the backyard of my of my childhood house. I mean, it's just uh, it is it's amazing, and I, I tell you, you can talk about climate change. You know, there's some that don't believe it or whatever. There's no question. This week in Alaska, 
is like was the the final kind of nail in the coffin when it comes to climate change, dude. It was 75 to 80 bright sunshine, not a cloud in the sky for an entire week. Now I li- I grew up there, 18 years there, and then you know my five years of of college because I redshirted, going back every summer. Never in my entire life of growing up there have I ever seen five straight days of sunshine and 75, 80 degree days. Never. Dude, it was, un- it's unbelievable. Like, people are, like, melting. They're like, it's too damn hot here, you know? I mean, people are angry in Alaska because it's so freaking warm. They had a couple 90-degree days in June. I mean, it's, it's like, unheard of weather up. And it, it, it was absolutely gorgeous, but eventually when California falls into the sea, <laughs> Alaska is going to be the new California. Yeah, well... So pack your stuff, people. Well, I'm glad you had. A, we, we missed you, uh-huh. and uh, but now it it's football season. Oh, it, is, no. it is on, and we put our heads down, and we go to work, and we grind, and we'll go straight through the Super Bowl. And we know that there'll be a ton of stories to talk about because there'll always be NFL wide receivers to give them to us, oh, right? Oh my gosh, Antonio Brown. Where do you start? Well, you start with. One, forcing your way out of Pittsburgh. Now, one, okay, one, I blame Mike Tomlin and the Steelers because they enabled this guy to be an absolute turd. Like, he didn't come in as a sixth-rounder and and be an instant diva turd, right? He worked his way into being a diva turd. So that, that, was, that was part of the process. And why was that part of the process? Because they allowed that to happen. They allowed him to be late to stuff. They allowed him to miss stuff. They allowed him to do the things that he did to turn over Gatorade tubs and do everything else without ever actually holding him accountable. And then he got empowered, this is my theory anyhow, by all that, and then he forced his way out of Pittsburgh. So he forces his way out of Pittsburgh. So, I mean, here's a guy, like a petulant child, if you never tell your child no, what's your child going to do? He's just always going to expect to be catered to. And now it's showing up in a hot air balloon with blistery feet because you didn't wear shoes and the cryovac thing and you frostbit your feet. You can't play there. And then refusing now, I think they should call his bluff. He's refusing. So the NFL and the NFL Players Association have done a great job from a player safety standpoint of of essentially um, helping to create helping to put the pressure on helmet companies to develop safer technology and better helmets. Okay, so Mike, I I came in the league in 1989. My helmet, from a technology standpoint, did not change. I left the league in 2000. I was wearing the exact same. Now, my helmet's changed over the years. Like, I got a new helmet because I, 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 I cracked one and, you know, and they get scarred up and everything else. But the guts of the helmet... From 89 to 2000, did not change one bit. It's the exact same guts on the inside of that helmet. So I, I tip my hat to the NFL and the Players Association for essentially creating an a atmosphere where now it is important. Like the studies on the new helmets, and we did this in our, in our Fox seminar. They showed the studies of the new helmets and how they've eliminated a bunch of helmets that no longer pass the requirements. These helmets that are 10, 12 years old, man, they don't they don't fit the new standards. And so to make the game as safe as it possibly can be, like 
this is a good thing. This is a step in the right direction to protecting not only our players, but the youth and the colleges. And, you know, there's a trickle-down effect that happens here um, with youth football to keeping this game alive. And now you've got Antonio Brown saying, I, I, I'm going to retire if I don't get to use my old helmet. I'd call his bluff. Go ahead, retire. We don't have to pay you. See ya. Hope it works out for you. Like, at what point are you going to stand up to Antonio Brown and hold him accountable? Now, John Gruden's already come out and basically said, we support the player, we just want him in camp, blah, 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 and his right to wear it. No! I don't support his right to wear whatever the hell he wants. Right? We need to keep our guys as healthy as possible as a league for their own good because there has to be a gatekeeper. I mean, I did irreparable damage to myself playing. I understand that. I made that choice to do it. I'd do it over again. But there has to be a gatekeeper because players are going to play. Players are going to hide injuries. Players, they, they want to play. So there's got to be somebody that stands between the player and the field to make sure that that player has life beyond football because it's going to end when you're 30-something, unless you're Tom Brady, the world's greatest American. But it's going to end. And, and I like... That has to be a part of it. So you need to call his bluff. Say, quit being a spoiled little brat. Put on a different freaking helmet and get used to it. It's going to take you three days to get used to the damn thing. He's also reportedly been late to meetings. Um, some of the same stuff that was going on in Pittsburgh. But if if you're the Raiders, can, can you really afford to take that kind of a hard line with a guy that arguably is going to be your, your best player. You can't afford not to. I mean, forget about, forget about, can you afford to take a hard line with your best player? You can't afford not to take a hard line with your best player. You can't afford to not say, hey, dude, everybody else, you think there's there's not one other player on the Raiders that wants to be in his old helmet around the league? This is not just Antonio Brown. There are a ton of guys that play currently right now that have had to switch their helmets, and they're not happy about it. And I understand. Comfort is key, man. I want I want comfort. I want what I'm what I'm used to. I want all those things. I, I get that. But, again, this is just Antonio Brown once again singling himself out. I'm better than everybody else. I'm more important than everybody else. I bet you there's, I bet you there's 50 guys in the league that had to switch their helmets this year, and they're not happy. Not, all 50 are not happy about it. There, There is something to it, uh, establishing a culture. You know, and, and here in Denver, we got Vic Fangio, and he talks about death by inches. Uh, Belichick, you know, the whole Patriot way, you know, team above self, all that kind of stuff. And if you're John Gruden, who, by the way, is armed with the kind of job security that allows him to take sure. a, the long view on these kind of things because he doesn't have to worry about job security. So you would think that he would draw that line in the sand with Antonio Brown, but it, it doesn't sound like he's prepared to do that. And and you think, I, I, I read what you're saying, is that you run the risk of going right back to being the same old Raiders. Dysfunctional, inmates running the asylum, right. all that kind of stuff because you don't take the kind of stand that you have to take. If you don't take a hard line stand with Antonio Brown, he is always he's a habitual line stepper. You know, it's it's the 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 Chappelle show. Guys are gonna always step on the line. And if you don't say, ah, we're not doing that here, like you're gonna have to get you're gonna have to get in the line. When I came here, there were a lot of guys and but I love Pittsburgh, but if Pitt I'm sorry to interrupt, but if yeah. if 
Pittsburgh, with their culture and their leadership, if if they couldn't do it, do you, you really expect the the Raiders to be able to do it? Somebody's gonna. Somebody has to do it. Like like. Playing in the but didn't national- they sign up for this? Right. Didn't they but, when they well, when they made the move for? Right. Didn't they almost say, right. "Look, we're we're taking this on, but we're we're, we're getting the trade off in his talent." And again, when it, it, until your until your troubles outweigh your talent, like when your talent outweighs your troubles, the 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 trouble and the issues that you bring, people continue to make concessions for you. What I'm saying is, it's gotten to a point now, and he's exceptionally talented. That it affects, it's not about just him and dealing with him. It's the message you send to the other 52 guys. So you're preaching to us about sacrificing and about, about you know, putting your teammates first. And all the things that I know John Gruden's talking about out there. Except for one guy. Like, I, I understand that not everybody's treated equally. But you need to be treated fairly. And if you make concessions for that turd and you continue to make concessions for that turd, eventually, you know what happens to your culture? Everybody says, that guy, John Gruden, is bullshit. He's bullshit. And so when you're asked all of a sudden to sacrifice, when Mike Shanahan asks Terrell Davis to go into the Super Bowl and Terrell Davis can't see because he's suffering a migraine, and he says, hey, don't worry about it. I'm not, I don't need you to see on this play. I'm not going to hand you the ball, but we need to carry out the fake, and they won't buy it unless you're in there. If you continue to make concessions for Antonio Brown, you know what Terrell Davis says? Up yours, Mike. I can't see shit. I'm not going in. That That's the difference. So you think it's a small thing. You think it's a little thing. It The little and the small things, Herm Edwards always used to say to me, you got to sweep the corners. You, you can clean up a whole room. You don't sweep the corners. You know what your room is? Dirty. Got to sweep the corners. You know, another player who didn't want to change the helmet was Brady. He mm-hmm. he had the same helmet, and he did not want to change, and he has changed switched. It. And he said, look, I don't I don't like it. I don't want to, but it is the rule. Right. And I'm going to, you know, follow the rules. So th- there's an example. But the of helmet somebody. is deflated, though. It is. They, do, they took a <laughs> – hey! Took a little, 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 little air out of it. <laughs> Fits a little looser. No, less air. I mean, it, it, Tom Brady is, is you know, he is the most successful player in the history of this league. But and, is he? But is he going to be doing it for the Patriots? I, I, I shouldn't say long. Well, I guess with him, maybe you can say long term. He's only forty two, right? You know, but when when that contract came out, news came out. I was like, oh. Two more years. Turns out it's only really a one-year deal. Right. And there are no franchise tag provisions or anything like that. Add in the fact that he and Giselle just put their Massachusetts mansion up for sale. What about the idea that the Patriots are looking at like, hey, we know you say you want to play at 45, but we're we're going year to year with you. And he's like, fine. But if it gets to the end of the year, I want to have the freedom to be able to decide, I want to go somewhere else. I don't want to be year-to-year here. I want to go somewhere else. Could you imagine seeing him in a different uniform? No, but could you ever have imagined 
Joe Montana in a Kansas City uniform? Right. No, I, I can't. I mean, could he – he grew up in the Bay Area. The Niners were his favorite team. Could he go back to San Francisco and take a dump on Jimmy Garoppolo again? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right? Jimmy, be hey, so Jimmy, excuse me that. for a second. <clears throat> Just avocado ice cream pile in his oh. locker room. Soft serve. Soft uh, serve right in his locker. Uh, Just a pile of green, back. soft doo-doo. <laughs> uh, I mean, but where, no, would, I mean, what, where what, would he play? Well, what do you mean, where would he play? I mean, he could play. I get it. He could play. Like, but what would, like, th- there's obviously teams. He's not, he's not going somewhere where he's like, yeah, we're in a five-year rebuild. You know, it's like no. the it's like the what was the guy? What was the McKay's? Was it John McKay that coached the Buccaneers? He was like, I got the five-year plan. You know, but all right, well, all right, let's look at it from the the page. Are are the, are the Patriots doing the right thing in setting this up by saying, look, Tom, we're we we gotta go year to year with you right now. We have no choice. I I think that's yeah. I think the Patriots are. I think they're fine with the, and I think Tom is probably fine with that as well. Um, we we all know that we all know that Belichick has a propensity to move guys, you know, early as opposed to late. Tom is the one guy that has been able to, you know, kind of circumvent that because of his relationship with Robert Kraft and all that. So I can't imagine Tom playing anywhere other than New England. Um, them trying to protect themselves from a year-to-year basis. It's not like there's anybody on that roster that I would look at right now going, yeah, that guy's ready to take over. I mean, are you going to go through the Brian Hoyer years? I will say this, though, and it's interesting because it happened here in Denver when John Elway retired and Mike Shanahan no longer had, you know, had Elway. I think there is, and I think this is, I'm not bashing on Mike, who's a, a dear friend, I'm just saying that I think this is part of the allure of coaching, the confidence of coaching, the arrogance of coaching, and and the competitiveness of coaching to say, I want to prove that I can do it without Brady, that I can do it without Elway. Oh, I, as a football fan, I passionately pray that Bill Belichick coaches five years in mm-hmm. New England after Tom Brady leaves, right? Just to see what happens. Yeah. Just so we all, I think, I know think for sure. Was Mike, it Brady? I, was it right. Belichick? I think it's one of the reasons you see these incredibly successful college coaches leave to go coach in the NFL because they want to prove that my system and my coaching and my this and my that would work at the next level. That's why I think there's still a lot of people out there, even though Nick Saban's probably in his seventies. I was just going right? to go there. Still think that Nick Saban is going back to the NFL I, 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 at some well, point. Doesn't he have to? Come on, it's the one slight, it's the one blemish, it's one the one blight on his record. Mm-hmm. You know that no matter how much overwhelming success he has at Alabama, there can always be some wise guy go, yeah, but what about that NFL experience? Mm-hmm. You know, wouldn't you think that there'd be part of him that's like, I gotta go right that wrong? You yeah, know? I, I think there's, I think. Pete Carroll could have stayed. Well, I don't know. He could, I guess he could have stayed at USC. They might have been on probation, but you right. know what I mean, he could have stayed there and kept that, you know, little little empire he had going. You know, now that he's been in Seattle as long as he's been, and don't forget, you know, he was the head coach and um, he was the head coach of the Patriots for a while. Was he head coach of Jets, Jets too? too? Yeah. yeah. 
for a while, and and but he'll be longer tenured after this season in Seattle yeah. than he was in USC. How yeah. about that? Yeah. Pete Carroll is he's done an unbelievable job, and he's such an energy guy. Oh. You know, he is. I was watching him in a preseason game last week against the Broncos, and he's still just oh. charging up and down that sideline, working that gum. Like man, yeah. I mean that's some. But but back to Brady, I just I I can't imagine him going. I think that it'd be one of those things that. We, we know the level he plays at, and we would see it if right. there was a big drop-off. And I would think that if there was enough of a drop-off that the Patriots wanted to move on, Brady himself would recognize we'll probably, the drop-off yeah, too, we'll, right? But, Wouldn't he? Uh, you, you, as a player, you're kind of always the last one to recognize that stuff. Remember, there was a significant drop-off with Peyton Manning coming off an injury, and he still found four years back in Denver. You know, they made that decision. So but That was I an mean, injury. I, I get that, but even if there's a – even okay – 80% of Brady as he currently stands is still you know is still 70% better than than right a dozen 15 quarterbacks in this league. Come on. I mean, really? You don't think a team like um well, I don't know who's had quarterback struggles the last however. I mean, th- there's a million teams that you would look at like Jacksonville uh, yeah. or you know some of these teams that have built a really outstanding roster that just have never had a guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even even in, in Peyton Manning's, you know, 55 touchdown year with the Denver Broncos, he had exceptional talent around him. He knew where to go with the football. He was a master of the underneath passing game, getting it to the wide open receiver. And when he took his shots, you know, his shots were off a three-step or five-step in the shotgun. They were 25-yard passes, you know. They became 78. Uh, some of them, 78-yard touchdown was a bubble screen, you know, or, you know, a 55-yard touchdown to the tight end, and the ball traveled, you know, 22 yards in the air. I mean, that's that's how he made his living because he had the answers to the test. And you don't think there's a half a dozen teams or 15 teams that would look at Tom Brady even even with diminishing skill set going, yeah, he's still way better than anything we've had the last couple of years. Like based just on what Peyton Manning did? Yeah. I right. have to think so. Something fascinating to watch. I'll tell you what's also fascinating. Uh, the game of uh, high-stakes poker being played in Dallas right now. Oh with my Jerry goodness. Jones and Dak and, and Zeke. I mean, let's see. Uh, he basically uh, has said that uh, they're prepared to move on and be just fine without Zeke. Mm-hmm. And apparently Dak turned down $30 million a year. I would. Yeah, I saw that report. I think it was from Michael Lombardi from yeah. The Athletic. You're skeptical? Well, I'm skeptical because I know how the funny money works in NFL contracts. Remember, Kirk Cousins kept playing under the franchise tag for years in Washington, you know, several years. And, you know, they would have their general manager would come out and basically say, we just offered him the, you know, the best, you know, the the, the biggest contract in, in the NFL. And it was all kind of fake money. You know, it was all... Um, deferred to the end of the contract and there wasn't as much guaranteed money and blah, blah, blah. But they could make it look like you can backload the contract and make it look like a $30 million a year contract. But if the front, the, the upfront money isn't what it needs to be, it's not really a $30 million contract. But we isn't know, there less funny money when it comes to quarterbacks, though? Not if you not if you spread it out over. That's why Kirk Cousins never signed in Washington. Why he kept playing on the franchise tag? Like you could take you could take it and backload the contract and make it a six year or seven year deal, right? And backload the contract, and instead of getting 
you know, 65, 70, whatever the, the million dollars up front is, you can say hey, it's 22 million up front. But here in year five, six, and seven, you're going to make $48 million a year. And, and you know that every contract written in the NFL really is kind of a three year deal, even though they're five and six year deals, because there's always some out in those contracts. So if it's completely backloaded, this is one of the things I hate about franchises because they always make the player look like a piece of crap, right? They announce the contract. And, like, I don't know what he's doing. We offered him $30 million a year. And then all the fans turn against you. And, you know, again, it's a fake contract. It's a monopoly money contract. And it's and it's disingenuous, and a lot of teams do it. And then they, they the information, you know, mysteriously leaks out. And then you as a player look like an ass for not you – know, Dak is only making $2 million. He was a fourth-rounder. He's lucky to get $30 million a year. What I would do for $30 million, you know? And you just look like a jerk. Is he is, – all right, let's say it's not funny money. Let's say it's a bona fide, like this is big money, big boy, quarterback money, and it's $30 million a year. Would he be nuts to turn that down? He'd be down? a fool to okay. turn that down. Right, where, where is he tiered, you know? I mean, is he at tier one, tier two, tier three? I mean, when – you think of the way quarterbacks are ranked. Where, where does he fit? Top five, top ten, top fifteen? I would say, I would say he he falls. You know, if you take your top Brady and and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and and you know maybe Roethlisberger and, and you know and and kind of uh, Russell Wilson and, and that you know top tier group, and then that next group is you know the Matt Ryan's of the world and and um, you know maybe Philip Rivers. Mahomes and, then is. Top, top. Yeah, well, you put Mahomes in there too okay. in that top tier, and then you know I think he's probably somewhere kind of like approaching the second tier of guys, but probably the top so outside of the, the top ten. Yeah, the top top third, like in the in the top of the third tier. Yeah, like approaching, like moving in that direction. Right. So he's like between ten and fifteen. Yeah, somewhere in that, somewhere in that range. Yes. Yeah, I forgot about Mahomes. I you know I tend to. Purposely forget about Mahomes because you know you Kansas like City. Piss, you just like to piss off the Chief fans. Well, that and because Kansas City plays like the Kansas City Chiefs. Like I've got people on Twitter on social media. They've already won. I mean, I don't even know why we're playing the season. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. There is a team that has already won. Oh, there is. Oh yeah. Okay. Are you familiar with the story of uh, Damian Sheehy Giuseppe? Just yes. Is this story amazing it, or what? Uh, yeah, read that story. All it's right, amazing. So, so this guy. Uh, was down to his last two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. All right, and he had spent it on training, and he was sleeping outside a Miami gym. Former teammate from a flag football league tipped him off to the time and location of the Browns' spring practice. He hadn't. He wasn't invited. He he showed up, and he confronted the team's president of player personnel, Alonzo Highsmith. Remember him? In I know Alonzo. Alonzo yeah, Alonzo, good man. Walked up to Highsmith, introduced himself, and talked his way into a spot alongside the invited players. And um, he he ran a, a four point three eight forty, and he got a chance to to practice, and he impressed enough that he got a chance to get a contract, and he got a chance to play, and he got a chance to play in a preseason game the other day, and. 
Here's what he did. We'll watch this one with interest. Snap back. Tressway takes it and left foots it out. DJ Montgomery almost blocked it. Backpedaling. Sheehy Giuseppe's got it at the 14 juggle. Now he's to the 20. 25. Here he goes. 30. 40. He's to the 50. He's to the 40. Now he's in open field. 20. 10. 5. Touchdown. Damian Sheehy Giuseppe. And the entire Browns team <laughs> races down into the end zone. This is how it will be when we win the AFC. A scene just like that. 86 yards. That is fantastic. That's a team. All right, so awesome story. 86 yards for a touchdown. But did you hear hmm. the announcer at the end there? Yeah. This is how it will be when we win the AFC. When we, you and the turd in your pocket, when you guys win the AFC. By the way, I mean, you want to talk about. Now, first off, the story is awesome. Phenomenal. I love that story. Giuseppe. Wasn't that the name of the cat? Like the cat in in uh, Meet the Fockers. Like they were talking. That was Jinx. No, Jinxie was, was the dad's cat. But yeah. when. Hello, he Jinx. was you're talking about milking nipples and stuff. You oh, can milk geez. anything with nipples. Was that and, Giuseppe? Yeah, didn't he say he he raised the cat? Was like it was little Giuseppe. I think he isn't that the name he used when he was describing how you can milk anything. How we got to find out who Greg Fokker's cat was. I'll figure it out. Okay, you okay. figure it out, Scott. That's a good job. He's, for you. he's googling it, but it's all it's all jinxy. But yeah. The story of Giuseppe. Okay. That's and a nipple deep milking. We'll, we'll find it. Use nipple milking on that. <laughs> see, just Google nipple milking and see what comes up. On the work computer. <laughs> Is there a picture of me? <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that story. But when we win the AFC. Right, that story of, of this Giuseppe guy is awesome. It's an awesome story. But. The, I mean, you talk about the hype, the overhype. This is why I think Cleveland is going to fail miserably this year. I just, I, you want to talk about buying in. The radio guys are talking about when we win the AFC. Yes, Scott. Uh, point go. of order. Breaking news, guys. <laughs> Greg Fokker's cat. It was Geppetto. Oh, Geppetto. 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 You heard it here first. It wasn't Giuseppe. No, it was Geppetto. Was Giuseppe from uh, Pinocchio? Where's well, Gis- Geppetto was. Uh, Geppetto was Pinocchio, Pinocchio too? Pinocchio as well. What's Giuseppe from? I, well, I don't know, but yeah. It's, it's probably uh, a biblical name. I had I had no idea you could milk a cat. Oh, yeah, you can milk anything with nipples. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Yes. <laughs> Geppetto. Well, it was close. It's it was all close. It was Gi- Giuseppe Geppetto. It still all starts a great with story. a G. Yeah, it's still a great story. But how about this? The hype of the Cleveland Browns. They are buying it, aren't they? I'm telling. I mean, they've already. Do we even need to? I mean, obviously now with the hype, the hype machine going. It's it's obviously it's Kansas City and Cleveland in the AFC Championship right. game. There's no question. This wasn't right? when we win the AFC North. No, 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 no. This is when we win the, the AFC. AFC. So you're going to the you're Super going Bowl. To the, yes, this is going to the Super Bowl. This is how it will be when we win the AFC. Wow. Just too much too I, soon? Yeah. Just this feels, is it, just, it just feels like too much too soon. Yeah, this is just feels like we're buying into our own hype. You've gone from being two decades factory of sadness to... To winning a Super Bowl. Insta- yeah. Yeah. And you, just, were, and you were below 500 team last year. Right. But there's no question now you're, you're winning it all. Yeah, I just... I feel like... 
Yeah, speaking of Jinxie Cat, I just feel like you're Jinxie Cat and the whole team. Mm-hmm. This hype is just way – with a first-time head coach, right, in in kitchens, like, like – Second-year quarterback. Man, that's the, that's the kind of sound clip right there that if I'm Mike Tomlin and 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 John Harbaugh, I'm letting all my guys know Ooh. that. Hear what they're saying in Cleveland? Should Hey, Scott, can you send me that sound clip? I'll send it to John Harbaugh. Oh, you wedge driver, you. Would Ooh, that be good? good. Oh, you're good. Do you want me to? No. Yeah, no, I, do I don't care. Let's do it. John, did you hear what they said in Cleveland? <laughs> <laughs> Just thought you'd be interested. Just thought you'd like to know. Uh huh. Yeah, no, that's so, I'm good. I'm well. Congratulations to uh, Sheehy Giuseppe. That is that. It's an amazing story, and um, the the kind of stories you, you you love to see happen. And um, you know, all right, we'll see. Browns, brownies. Yeah, I'm not ready to buy the hype. I'm not either. No, no, got to see a lot more. Yeah, they're talented though. They are talented. I think. I think. I'm more likely during the AFC championships to get a brown skid mark in my underpants than they are to be in the AFC championship. Boom. What do you think about that? On that note. Right. Let's end on a skid mark. End on a skid mark. Hey, this wonderful program was brought to you by me and everything green chili. (laughs) Needing sponsorships, people. This space for rent. Yes. But we'll be back later on the week to – to talk a little bit more NFL football in the single Good news is the content stays great. Yeah, the content's awesome. For Mike, <laughs> myself, for Scott, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again at the end of the week.